Hey everyone, how you doing? It's me, Justin Retrick again, co-founder and executive director of the Bitcoin Transformation Community. And we're here with our second episode of the From Bars to Bitcoin podcast. It's a pleasure to be talking with you all again. Um, we're here to share some great news. Um, and we're going to dive right into it. So this episode this week, as you can see in the title, is about the Howard County Detention Center visit we had in Jessup, Maryland. Um, this was our very first prison or, well, detention, jail, prison, whatever you like to call it. This is our very first one. And I'm going to share with you, like, you know, what what it was like inside, what I experienced going in, and even, you know, some of the buildup I had, um, you know, if you haven't heard my story, I'll give you a little bit about it now. I did three years in North Carolina uh, Department of Corrections from 2011 to 2014. Um, and when I left prison May 12, 2014, I had never gone back again. No traffic stop violations, nothing. Um, so it 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 was a bit of a journey for me. Uh, you know, when I told Dr. Boyle about wanting to do this project and we created this entity, it was it was cool. We would tell people like, yeah, we want to go in prison. So we want to teach Bitcoin and this, that and the third. And, you know, at, at that moment, we were just talking about it. But, um, you know, Cardell Sims, he hit me up and said, hey, you know, what's your schedule like in September, September 9th? I said, it's wide open. What's going on? He said, we got a tour at the Howard County Detention Center at Jessup, Maryland. Can you make it? I said, yeah. And the moment I said yes, I had a rush of anxiety come over like I hadn't had in years. And, um, you know, leading up to that week, you know, Stacy and I, we were meeting with people, had business meetings or, or even, you know, internal meetings. And I really wasn't there. I wasn't there at all. Some other calls I didn't even show up to. And if you're listening to this and you're in one of those meetings, just keep listening a little longer. You'll hear why. It's no disrespect. Um, but I was just noticing, like, man, like, what is going on? And I had to come to grips of going inside a prison again, even as a free man, as a as a regular citizen. It was it was messing with me. You know, I didn't I didn't want to engage with people. I was just laying down every day, getting ready to go as I did when I actually had to do a prison prison sentence. Cause you don't know what to expect, right? Um so before going, we had a team call with everybody who was gonna be on the call, Cardell Sims, Aaron Smith, Dr. Tammy, um, Coach Alyssa Smidley on this woman named Trenice and even uh, Dr. Boyle was on the call and I was on the call. It was, it was cool. It let me know like, okay, we're a team and people have my back and we're going to, we're going to go in and do this. But after the call, I still had to lay down and be like, you know, this is really going down. So um, we had that call the next morning came, I get on the flight, fly to Baltimore, BWI airport, and it didn't take long to get there. So I get there and 
you know, I'm, I'm, I meet Cardell for the first time in person, and he's letting me know, giving me the rundown of what's going on. Um, and I'm still kind of nervous. And reason being because you don't never know what you're stepping into going inside a prison facility. You know, there could be a scenario where the staff, they're just, they're just assholes, uh, not making it easy for you to go inside. They treat the, the, the inmates like shit. So you don't really know what all to expect. It could be, and also it could be a very dangerous environment. You can go inside of a prison and there could be a riot going on while you're there. Um, I've heard of prison riots. I haven't never seen one of myself. Um, and so it's a dangerous environment. Like your life is literally on the line. And doing this work allowed me to understand like going inside of a prison to teach people about, you know, how to come home and reenter society in various different ways. It's still a dangerous gig because you don't know if or how you'll make it out of there. Most times you will make it out, but you never know. Um, so I'm just being calm and breathing and and just not allowing the negative thoughts to stay in my head. So then we um the day comes, we wake up at like eight in the morning, and it's like a 20-minute drive to the facility. And you know, we get there, it's pretty cool, it's pretty chill. Um, the staff was cool. Um, I was still walking around nervous because we got to be in there eight hours a day. So we're in there all day. And so we gave them our IDs, our badge. I mean, our IDs, we got like volunteer badges. And when like you walk in, there's a little area to where anybody could walk in. And then there's a holding area where you have to now go from being in the public part to the back end of the facility. And everyone was asking me, you all right? You cool? How you feeling? You're not getting triggered or anything. I said, no, I'm good. But I realized when we had gone downstairs, I was the first person to walk out the elevator and the first person to walk in the building up to the room we were, we were teaching in. And I didn't notice I was sitting down like, dang, why did you walk in so fast? But I just wanted to see. I wanted to be able to, you know, walk in here and, and not necessarily get it over it, but just see what it was like. Um, so they had us in a chapel area and it was actually called their second annual reentry recovery conference. So they this is their second time and they invited us out there. And it was a nice setup. I could tell that the staff put thought into it, that this is something they actually care about doing. A lot of people don't care. They don't care how you go home. They just want you out of there. They're going to fill another bed, and you'll probably be back to fill another bed. That's their mentality. But these people at Howard County, they really cared. Um, so we were in there getting our stuff together. Dr. Elam, who was our point of contact, made sure we were able to be, you know, have everything we needed, be good, have our materials ready. So that was a layer of stress off of me. And then the actual inmates walked in. I hate using the word inmates, but the participants walked in. And I'm like, oh, wow. And they're all wearing jumpsuits, different colors. And they all have a look on their face like confusion. 
Someone looking, you know, kind of uptight. Got all these crazy looks on their faces. And it was like, wow, okay, this is it. But then what shocked me was they had women there. I was like, wow, y'all have women at the facility? I said, damn, why y'all walking around so mad? Because <laughs> when I was in prison, I did three years. We didn't have any other women outside of security of correctional officers working with us. And I'm just like, man, even the scent of estrogen in the air would make me feel good. The idea of meeting somebody different, you know what I mean? But um, so Ned came in and everybody was still looking confused and I just had to, you know, look at everybody's face and breathe and realize, all right, this is good. We cool. Um, so when it started, Cardell started off and he was like LeBron James of doing this. I'm just like, whoa. He's going around speaking, talking, sharing his story, getting out there, getting people, getting, getting the participants, feeling good about themselves, opening their eyes to different levels of life. Um, sharing his story, his journey. And we got to get Cardell on the show, by the way. Um, and I was I was just amazed by his story and the other uh, six participants, well, the other six educators who were with me. Everyone had an amazing story, an amazing story. And it was it was to the point of like, yo, you never know what someone's going through. You never know what someone's battling from. There's this one guy on the on the tour with us. He's an educator. He had a cleaning company and he made $2 million in cleaning. I was just like, wow. And, you know, you would think like, man, oh, well, you know, that's nothing. But to hear someone come home from prison and find a job that's, that's something everyone would need and make that much, you know, have that much success was very, very inspirational to me um so then we got down to my portion of the the class or the 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 sessions and it was a point like all right I was a little bit nervous but I remembered I used to do these type of um these type of education sessions on clubhouse and I was like well you know what sticks you know what works so let's go with that so the very first thing I asked when people uh, came into the room, I just asked people in there like, hey, you know, how many of y'all are in here for money? You either sold drugs for money, you stole for money, you did some type of crime for money, or you committed a crime because you couldn't think clearly because of lack of money. A lot of people raised their hands. And from there, I started asking questions about inflation. And, you know, some people were hip to inflation, the definition, but some people just knew like, hey, you know, things are, things go up in cost. And we started going down this path of, um, started with going down the path of opening the participants' eyes to what's money, what money is and how most of them there committed their crime based upon money. So we made that connection. And then... I did a, I did um, a graph of it, just saying, you know, do you know what the price of a dollar is? And they were like, no, no, no. And I wasn't able to actually show a graph on camera, I mean, on site. 
So what I did was I just used simple terms like, uh, well, how much was your rent, you know, before you got here? Or how, how many of you have seen rent go up? Right. Boom. OK, so that shows that the US, the value of the U.S. dollar is going down. And the best way I drove this home was the price of stamps. Like we did a study. We did some research beforehand. Like when I was in prison, stamps were 44 cents. Right about now, they're 66 cents. There was one guy in there. I said, how much for stamps when you got locked up? He said they were 10 to 10 to 15 cents. And now they are 66 cents. Like the price of living is going up. And that means your dollar is decreasing. And what really made a connection was, I said, so for everyone who went in here for money, you went in here for money, the dollar is getting worse the longer you sit in here. So there's a, a mathematical equation to show you that going to money, I mean, going to jail or prison behind money does not make sense. It's actually stupid. And it's not calling someone stupid, but it comes from a lack of understanding what finances are. And that that clicked on people. You know, the world is getting more expensive. And you went to prison over money that's getting worse. And I use a Kool-Aid analogy that said, you know, the more money that's printed without work being done is like adding more water to the Kool-Aid. It dilutes the flavor and it makes it weaker. So we made that connection. And then we started shifting over to Bitcoin. Now, this is where it got real interesting. Uh, a few people had heard of Bitcoin. Matter of fact, this one woman had Bitcoin in 2016, and she said she lost her private keys, and she doesn't know where her Bitcoin is. And um, this one kid, he said, yeah, you know, is mining still profitable? I said, who the hell asks if mining is still profitable? What do you know about mining? He said, well, I used to mine Bitcoin from 2016 to 2019. I was like, wow, amazing. Um, so people had known something. A lot of people didn't. A lot of people were misinformed, just like most of the people in the world. Um, so, you know, we broke we broke down the three major properties, decentralization, uh, currency, form of currency of exchange, and uh, storage value. Now, when I'm making these connections, I have to make it relevant to what people know. And in, in jail or prison, we know stamps. So the connection was made to know like, okay, so here's a sign of inflation. Back in the day, they used to put the amount the stamp was worth, whether it was 10, 25 cents, 40 cents, they would put that number on a stamp. That's your traditional currency. That's what that means. Okay. So if you got a stamp for 2011, it's 44 cents that says 44 cents and you have one right now, price of stamps now is 66 cents that stamp is either no good or you have to add another stamp with that stamp but then something happened where they had to put forever on the stamps so now if you bought a stamp that was 20 for 25 cents but it has forever on it that goes up in value forever i said that forever on that stamp is kind of like how bitcoin is for money once, once that money has been stamped with Bitcoin, and once that, that money, you buy Bitcoin with that money, that value can increase forever. And then we went into the bartering exchange of how we use stamps on the yard. Currency, boom, boom. Okay, you have deodorant. 
deodorant might cost two dollars and thirty cents. When I was locked up, that means we would give you seven stamps for that deodorant. It was a barter of exchange, medium of exchange. Um, so when I started breaking that down like that, people started seeing more value in it. A lot of folks had thought that Bitcoin was only used for scamming because they probably heard only scammers telling them about Bitcoin. Um, but the real unique part was when I told them the opportunity of employment in the Bitcoin space. One woman asked like, so how can I get paid with Bitcoin? You could work in the Bitcoin company or you could just go to work and buy Bitcoin with your paycheck. Um, one man even asked like, so like, do I need any prior experience to know anything about mining or Bitcoin? Absolutely not. And when that layer of, um, of um, um, like a prerequisite, like needing experience, needing education, once that was removed, I saw some people's faces light up like, well, there's real hope for me then. So we had this conversation for about an hour um, and we collected surveys. Now, some of our surveys were so great because 70% of the people that were there, they all said something positive. Like I could see Bitcoin changing my life. I could see Bitcoin being important when I come home because we're moving away from digital currency. Or they liked the fact that it was relatable to how they thought about money already. See people inside prison, we have, I guess, the strange advantage to understand there's more than one currency. That currency isn't just based off the dollar. And so when that's happening, like people now, their eyes were opening, but they knew that I can actually do good with this, come home and do good with this. One individual says, send me everything you can. I'm ready to start over when I come home. I'm tired of being where I'm being in. So... It was a magnificent, it was a magnificent event. It wasn't as scary as I thought it would be. There was no need for me to be nervous. Um, but it doesn't mean every every facility would be like that. Every prison won't be like that. We don't know where we'll go to next. We have ideas, but even the name of an institution does not determine what that environment of that institution will be. So we just have to play it by ear as we go. And there's some things we learned along the way that we can implement to make it better. And we look to do that. Um, and we will best be able to do that with support from listeners like you and other people you know who would be able to support this podcast and this project. Um, one of the biggest things I walked away with, though, was realizing that You know, realizing that people, all types of people need hope. They're providing real, real hope and real opportunities can change how people think, how people move, how people act. Because people say it now, but I saw real sincerity in folks' eyes when I said, if you had the means to take care of yourself, would you have committed the crime you did? Majority of people said no. They would not. But lack of not knowing puts us in dangerous scenarios. So, um, again, my biggest takeaway, though, was not only the participants, but some of the educators who've done some amazing things with their lives 
coming out of prison. And it motivated me to know, like, you know, nothing stops. There's there's no feeling in the world than being around people who know they messed up, who've changed their lives and who actively look to do good and do better every single day and allow nothing to stop them. Like Cardell, like Brandon, like Aaron, Trinish, Dallas, all those individuals inspired me just to to keep going, whether that whether things are in my favor or not. There's always another door. There's always another door. There's always another way. And to know when you're doing something good for people and good for others, uh, not just yourself. Doors will open for you. Opportunities will be there for you. You just have to be ready. So I want to leave you off with that nugget. You know, just always look to do good as best you can and keep moving forward because things will open for you. And when they do, you just have to be ready for them. Um, that'll conclude today's show or update, whatever you like to call it. I look to get one of our educators on here next episode. Hopefully, Cardell will see. He's a very busy man. But um, if you have not already, check out our website, btctc.org. Everything will be in the show notes, but check out our website, btctc.org, and help this project and this organization keep going. How do we do that? By donations. You could donate USD. You could donate BTC. And um, those would definitely, anything will help. Anything will help us continuously push this mission, continuously help educate people, and also continually give folks an opportunity to change their lives uh, through employment in the Bitcoin space, particularly mining. And uh, check us out on Geyser too. Everything we have will be in the show notes. Until next time, have a great day. Peace.